Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment, visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where you will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator, and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. I'm Adam Homie. I'm your host. I'm so honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. And here we are. I'm sitting out here in Las Vegas on my balcony. It's possible you may hear a little bit of windiness in the background, despite my noise cancellation microphone. Uh, If somebody comes around revving their motorcycle, you might get treated to that as well. We've had some interesting experiences here on this show. We had somebody dial in once while they were sitting on top of an airport hangar in Tel Aviv, and you can hear the jet planes right over we had somebody dial in from the rainforest of Colombia. and when i say the rainforest of Colombia, they were outside while it was raining so we get some interesting from the field perspectives on business creators radio one of the things i love about being able to sit on my balcony here is i as i manage my business and do my thing from my home office and my home space is i don't have to be around people so that would be the that would be the, um, the the highly introverted side of me, just totally rocking it out. And as you can probably hear from the laughter in the background, this is pretty much going to be our topic. It's about how to conquer your fear of public speaking and step into the spotlight with confidence, fashion, excuse me, confidence, passion, and brilliance. Although you will be fashionable when you do it, and this topic that we're going to have shared with us today is going to be from the perspective of somebody who understands what it means to be on the introverted scale of the personality spectrum and still manage to overcome being in front of a bunch of people and saying a bunch of stuff. Ooh, scary. All right. So with us today, we have Victoria Lesnaski who teaches introverted entrepreneurs and business professionals how to overcome their fear of public speaking and become confident, compelling, captivating speakers. Taking your experiences, going from scared to sought-after speaker, Victoria founded the Brilliant Speakers Academy, which is an online public speaking coaching program for introverts. And we introverts, we're about half the population, and we're taking over, so you best listen to this. She also owns the Nutty Scientists of Houston, a passion project about inspiring kids to fall in love with science. And if you think that's interesting, you can find clips on YouTube. They're very entertaining. Victoria holds a Master of Science in Computer Science and is currently completing a Master of Arts degree in Communications and Media Technologies. She lives in Houston with her husband and two sons. So, Victoria, come on in. The weather's fine. Adam, I'm so excited to be here. I have a feeling we're going to have a terrific, terrific and fun conversation today. And likewise. But before we get into that conversation, and I'm thinking that you and our listeners can tell this is an area of my brilliance and passion, let's take a quick step back and discover more about you. Tell us about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and making a difference for your community market and audience. Absolutely. Well, let me start by saying that I am an introvert. And like a lot of you listening right now, I am, 
I'm truly and really introverted. I may be a social introvert, but I'm still very much an introvert. And as Adam and I just had a quick chat before we started recording, a lot of people have a misconception about what an introvert is. Introversion doesn't mean that, you know, Adam and I are hermits and right. we don't go out other than in the middle of the night when nobody can see us, right? I mean, we're out and about, we're building our businesses, we're successful entrepreneurs. The real big difference between being an introvert and being an extrovert is what exactly drains your batteries. So in my case, when I'm out and about meeting new people that I don't know, when I'm at a networking event, when I'm speaking to a bunch of strangers, I can do it perfectly well, but after that, I am dead tired. I am absolutely exhausted. And then for me to recharge, I need to be alone. And, you know, that alone time is really how I build up my battery back. With extroverts, it's a complete opposite. They get recharged with people. They get drained by themselves. And so I just wanted to get this very quickly out of the way because, yes, I am a very much a social introvert. But going back to public speaking, I was terrified of public speaking. And a lot of, I, I would say most of the introverts are really, really afraid of public speaking. And when I was about 10 years old, I had a really traumatic experience where I had to give, not exactly a talk, I had to recite a poem from memory on stage in front of close to a thousand people. And that poem was only given to me that morning. So I literally had a few hours to learn the gigantic poem. Remember, I'm 10 years old, and then go out there and perform. And I, in spite of having really good memory and actually thinking that I succeeded in memorizing it, I stepped on stage and I felt exactly what you can imagine you would feel when you're terrified of public speaking to begin with. You know, my legs are shaking, my mind is completely blank, my heart is racing, I'm all sweaty. I don't remember a thing. I cannot remember a single line from that poem. And then, of course, people start giggling in the audience, right? I mean, it's pretty funny. I'm sure it's hilarious watching it. And I'm standing there. Finally, I squeeze out something only to realize a second later that that was the wrong line to begin with. And then I just started crying and I ran off stage. And as you can imagine, having experience like that, if I didn't want to do public speaking before, I really did not want to do it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, seeing a microphone would give me heart palpitations, like right away. I really stayed away from public speaking for as long as I could. But then when I moved to the United States in my early 20s, I started my first business pretty soon after. And that was building web websites. It was web development, web design, software development business yeah. for small businesses. And we all started there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm going to date myself completely, but that was 20 something years ago. Sure. That was back when <laughs> internet was still very young and everybody wanted the website. It was like so cool. And the bad thing about that time is that you couldn't hide behind your computer as much as you can hide today. You actually had to go out there and meet your prospective clients, you had to go and speak in front of people. Otherwise, where are you going to get your business from? And so I did what everybody told me to do. Everybody said, hey, do it scared. Just do it scared. Just go and practice. Practice makes it perfect. You're going to get better. And I went out there and I practiced and I did not 
get any better. I was still terrified. Yeah. I still hated the whole experience. I did not enjoy it at all. I didn't feel like I was connecting with my um, potential clients, with my audience. And I realized something very important. And I think a lot of your listeners experience that as well, that practicing more is not a solution. It's not wow. practicing more when you're practicing the wrong things. It's practicing more when you're practicing the right things. And until you know what those right things are, until you know what mistakes you're making, you can continue practicing all your life. <clears throat> you're not going to get much better. You may you'll get marginally better, of course. But if you are scared on the inside, if you are truly scared on the inside, no matter how much you're going to fake it to appear confident on the outside, you still won't feel confident. And that's a fact. And when I realized that, when I realized the mistakes that I was making, it really changed around for me. Everything started shifting. I built several businesses. I spoke in front of large audiences. I, I was on live TV. I now have that confidence that I really want to help my students to achieve where it doesn't matter to me if I'm walking into a room full of strangers. It doesn't matter to me if I'm going on a podcast, if I'm recording a video, if I'm on TV, whatever I'm doing, if I'm about to face an audience, I'm not scared. I know how to do it. And once you're not scared anymore of public speaking, you're never scared again. Of course, everybody has butterflies in their stomach, right? In the beginning. Yeah. But fundamentally, that fear is completely and totally gone. And so along the way, as I was, you know, working through my businesses, as I was work, working through corporate world, I was building my path. People were approaching me after, I, every time they would hear me speak, they'll be like, oh, you're such a natural. And I'll be like, are you serious? If anybody is not a natural, that's me. I know I'm not a natural. And I realized a lot of people would benefit from what I've learned along the way and so i've built systems and frameworks around it and that became my brilliant speakers academy program yeah see those who may not understand this whole introversion extroversion thing may have listened to you speak very extemporaneously without any halting without any hesitation for almost five minutes there and say what are you talking about it's perfectly <laughs> extroverted it hurts my ears when I hear somebody say, and I and I heard this at a networking event not even a year ago. Someone said, yeah, well, I thought I was an introvert. And then I got to know all you people, and I realized I'm not introverted at all, thinking, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. I just, And I, I spoke to the person afterwards. I said, I have one question for you. You mentioned how you've suddenly become an extrovert. After you hang out with all these great new people you've met, do you want to keep the night going forever? Do you need to go home and be by yourself for three hours? <laughs> That's the difference right there. You get it. And I think many of our listeners get it. So I don't want to spend too much time going down that road because there are resources for that. And this is not exactly a new topic at this point, especially with uh, some of the research and Susan Cain's book, Quiet, and a lot of mm -hmm. other things that have come out over the past 10 years that have shed a lot of light on this. And I mentioned Susan Cain in her book because I say it saved my life. Up until I read that book, which I'll tell you candidly, it's 
very scientific. It's kind of pedantic. And in some ways, it's a little bit hard to read if you're not really geeked out over science and technology and things like that. But Mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to power through it once because it will give you such an understanding of human nature. And you'll likely surprise yourself once you discover what is within those pages and how it applies to you in ways you may not have even realized. So uh, I think we've kind of answered the question of whether or not public speaking is a natural talent that some of us simply might not have. Uh, And there are so many different ways we can look at that. So, uh, and I think we've also discovered that introverts can make great public speakers and if somebody were coming to you, like if they were joining your academy or they're speaking with you at one of these networking events you've managed to uh, become a champion at, <laughs> um, what would you tell them if they asked you, how can I as an introvert become a great public speaker? I would firstly say that you, what you and maybe the world perceive as a weakness, as your introvert weakness, yeah. is your greatest strength. And the weakness is we do not like to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Right, Adam? I mean, yes. we both agree. We may go and network until we turn blue in the face, but we do not want to be the center of attention. Now, right. that may sound a little strange coming from somebody who teaches public speaking. Then, of course, your next question is, well, if I don't want to be a center of attention, why would I ever want to go in front of an audience? Right. It's the thing. I'm going to let you in on a secret, and I think this secret is going to change the way you view public speaking. As an introvert, you not wanting to be the center of attention is the greatest gift. The greatest gift and what's going to help you overcome your fear. Let me ask you, when you step in front of an audience, and I know, Adam, you don't really have a problem with the fear (laughs) of public speaking, but let's say if you did have that fear, when you step in front of an audience, what would be the first thought, if you're scared, right? What would be the first thought in your head? That I'm going to say or do something that people are going to think are funny is funny and not in a good way and they're going to laugh at me and not in a good way (laughs) and and probably because as a child I had some experience with that sort of thing and you know since you bring that up uh, there's something about my speaking style when I'm brought in to speak I'm usually the after lunch guy reason being (laughs) is because I have I have this ability to get people energized keep them out of their food comas and (laughs) engage them and when you, when you hire me, you need to know up front that I'm a call and response type speaker. Uh, so I will get the audience to participate to say yes and affirm things. And uh, I'll interact directly with individual members of the audience in the first or second row if I, for whatever reason. And as I think about that and what you've just said, for the very first time, I'm wondering if that has something to do with my own need for, I don't, for lack of a better word, reassurance that I need to know that people are enjoying this. We're always looking for feedback in every conversation. With public speaking, of course, you cannot get the verbal feedback. And by the way, you're hilarious. <laughs> thank you, thank funny. you. Too funny. Um, but I think, you know, I think once I explain what I mean by not wanting to be a center of attention, you're going to be like, oh, wait, maybe that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. 
because of course it is reassurance to some extent, obviously, but you were, you were absolutely right when you said the first thought in your head when you step in front of an audience, if you were afraid, would be, yeah. are they judging me? Or it wouldn't even be a question. It would be more like, yes, they're judging me. Yes, they are about to discover I don't know anything. They're about to think I'm totally stupid, I'm a fraud, I'm not an expert, and I'm about to be found out. That's what almost everyone thinks when they're in front of an audience, and it doesn't have to be live audience. It could be podcast or video or anything. Yeah. And if you think about it, that is a very selfish thought. Who are you thinking about when you're thinking, are they judging me? You're not thinking about the audience. You're actually thinking about yourself. It's your fear. It's your lack of self, um, self-assuredness, right? It's your, it's your lack of being in control. It's all on you. You're afraid to lose your status. You're afraid to lose your value in front of your audience. It's a selfish thought. You are putting the focus on you. But as introverts, remember what I said earlier, we are naturally predispositioned to shift the focus away from us to the other person. If you're thinking about a networking event, for example, you know, when we go to a networking event, how do we usually network as introverts? We usually shift the focus away from us to the person we're speaking to so we don't have to talk, right? We ask meaningful questions, we listen really well, and we continue to ask questions because we want to shift the focus. We do not want to be the center of attention. So when you are on stage, I want you to take that, which is again, the world may perceive as your weakness and turn it into your strength. When you shift the focus away from you and you shift it to your audience, something magical happens. You are no longer thinking those selfish thoughts. Oh, am I enough? Am I going to be found out? You are now thinking, how am I going to make them feel? What can I say to make the biggest impact I can make? How can I influence them the most? How I can educate them the most? How I can transform them the most, right? The question stops being about you, what are they thinking of me, and becomes about them. How do I want to make them feel? And that's a very powerful mindset shift. And as an introvert, you are already halfway there. You do not want to be standing there being the center of attention. You want to shift the focus away from you to whoever is you're talking to, to your audience. And so do that. Forget about your fear. You cannot. The problem is that once you go back into your head with your I'm not enough thinking, you immediately stop thinking about your audience because our brain can only focus on one thing at a time, right? Yeah. But if you focus on your audience, and Adam, those examples you gave of you interacting with your audience, actually perfect examples. As soon as you are out there interacting with your audience, focusing on your audience, making sure that they are receiving what you're giving them, everything changes. And what changes, the biggest thing that changes is that now you don't have time to go back into your head with, oh, I'm not enough, or what are they thinking of me? Because all you're thinking about is them. And then all of a sudden, your fear symptoms, you know, that racing heart, 
you know, you're being sweaty, your, mm-hmm. your, your legs are shaking. Those physical symptoms begin to go away because you're not focusing on your fear. It's a very, very, very powerful thing. And it's so easy, but so not easy at the same time. Being consciously aware that you're afraid, but not going into that thinking and instead focusing all of your energy, all of your thoughts on your audience. This is the biggest thing that you need to work on. And it, again, it should come fairly natural to you, that shift in focus, not talking about yourself, but actually thinking about your audience. Very, very, it's a thing number one, that's the most important thing, I think, not just for introverts, but actually for anybody. If you want to overcome your fear of public thinking, the uh, pub, fear, I'm sorry, fear of public speaking, <laughs> the first thing you need to think about is your audience. Very important. Yeah, this is one of the easier interviews I've done in the six and a half years I've been hosting the Business Creators Radio Show. It's like I ask you one question, you just go on and on and <laughs> on and on. And I bring and I bring that up because I want folks to if it hasn't become clear at this point, to understand that introversion and shyness are not necessarily the same thing, and one does not necessarily drive the other. In some cases, they're not even both present in the same conversation. You're able to take one simple question. Well, what would you tell somebody if uh, they said, I'm an introvert and I want to be a great public speaker, and you expounded upon that at great length. I also wanted to point out something else that occurred to me while you were speaking. When I'm recording modules for courses, information courses I create and such, Mm -hmm. it can take me 35 takes to get through a 10-minute module. I can need 15 takes to get through the first slide. (laughs) And I can tell you you there may be a number of reasons why that is. See, you're laughing because I think you get it. Yes. There is nobody else there. I'm all by myself. In fact, I've gone out of my way to not only be alone, but to be as removed as possible from any form of external stimuli so noise doesn't get into my microphone. But yet, that that seems to be where I have the most difficult time. I might trip over my words and then have to start all over again. Or I might, here's a tactic I use. Like if I flub my words while I'm recording, what I'll do in that case is I'll pause for 15 seconds and then go back a couple steps and start reading again so it can be edited and spliced together. I may get to the point where I'd notice, oh, I've done that four or five times in this recording. I'm just going to start over. And funny, I'm there all by myself. You'd think I'd be in introvert heaven, and that's where I seem to struggle. But then I come here on the Business Creators Radio Show, and I've probably had about 25 verbal pauses so far. I've tripped over my words. I couldn't even get, uh, I couldn't even, uh, I can't see, look at this, I'm verbally pausing all over the damn place. I can't, and I couldn't, I couldn't even uh, get the, I can't even find it in the script right now, but I said the word, I was, I said the word fashion and I meant to say something else and the words are right in front of me. But the funny thing is, I don't care. It's, and not you know stopping, what? it's not stopping me one no. bit in this environment. I don't care who hears it. I'm not going to go back and edit it. And I'm excited for people to see it. Yes. And you know what? I'm so glad you brought this up because I wasn't even going to talk about it. But now that you, you spoke about this, all of a sudden I'm like, wait, let me, let me talk about this as well. Not only, not only I think the reason we are so excited, you and I, to talk 
which as introverts, you would imagine we would not be all that excited to be, you know, out there speaking to the audience. But I think the main reason we are so excited is because we did, both of us, by coming to this podcast, by pressing the record button, both of us shifted the focus from us to our audience, right? Yeah. We are not thinking about, oh, well, I'm not good enough. Oh, I just made a mistake, right? We're not thinking that. What are we thinking? We're thinking, wait, how can I explain this in the best way possible so that your audience walks away with something that they didn't think about before? That's going to change their life. That's going to, where they can take an action today and see the immediate result. Like both of us are trying to do the same thing. And I think that that's why it's, it flows so easily because both of us consciously changed their focus, shifted their focus away from us to our audience as well as to each other, right? Because I'm talking to you and to your audience at the same time. It's really, really important. But there was another thing you mentioned. You mentioned, remember how you mentioned that, oh, and I made a mistake and I don't care. The thing is, not only you don't care and you shouldn't care, but your audience didn't care. The thing is that I think a lot, what a lot of people are afraid of in public speaking, well, there are two big things that everybody is afraid of. Number one is the audience. Number two, everybody's afraid of making a mistake. Because again, you make a mistake, you immediately go back into your head, oh, I'm not good enough, and now they can see it. Now they can see I'm not smart enough because I just made that mistake. <laughs> what people don't realize is that if you, if your overall talk, if your overall podcast is brilliant and you made those five, seven mistakes where you misspelled the word, not only your audience is not going to care about it, they're probably going to like you more, Adam, because that makes you human. That makes you relatable. That makes you like the rest of them. All of a sudden, you're not this, you know, God who's hosting the podcast. You are just like, you're just like them. And that makes it so much more fun, so much more enjoyable, and at the same time, so much more inspirational, right? Yes. I really believe in that. And so when anybody tells me, oh, I'm so afraid to make a mistake, so what? Just go ahead and make that mistake. Get it out of your system. You know, people are always obsessing about mistakes, about, you know, filler words, right? which I call weed words. Like when somebody says like all the time. Well, of course, if you say like in every sentence, you probably need to work on it. But you know what? If you said like five times during an hour of podcast, your audience is not even going to notice it because they're going to be so focused on your message. If you want to improve something in your public speaking, improve your message. Make it benefit driven, make it applicable, relatable, beneficial to your audience, then nothing else will matter all that much. And so I want your audience, if you're listening right now, I want you to really, really take it to heart. If you make a mistake, laugh about it, continue going like nothing happened. Uh -huh. Because nothing happened. When you laugh at yourself, your audience likes you even more. You know, it's funny, and I'm, and I, please don't follow this into a political path or anything, but I just thought of something. Let's look at uh, here in the United States, our two most recent presidents. If you go back 
a few years and you go back to President Barack Obama, what did he, was he known for? He would say, I, I, um, um, I, I. Remember that? Yeah. And people would get on him all the case about that. And now you have President Donald Trump, who sometimes, if you listen to the order in which he says words, you wonder if he ever passed grammar school. But here's the funny thing. They're both presidents. <laughs> and 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 regardless of what you think about their grammatical correctness, the way that they speak relates to people. Right. Right. I mean, pe people who don't like them are going to criticize it, but I don't think either one of them really cares. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. So, so I so I bring that up as a very blunt example. If you're if you're still worried about mistakes, uh, think about the two most recent leaders of the free world are very well known for their grammatical mistakes, and yet they somehow manage to keep going, keep on going. Very true. And another yeah. thing that you mentioned that I think is very important is not everybody will like you. Right. And that's okay, particularly when you're an entrepreneur, right? Particularly when you are an entrepreneur who speaks, uh, let's say, to, to find clients or to land, you know, more business. Not everyone is going to like you. Not everybody is going to be your person. And that's okay. You don't need everybody to like you. You need those people who are the best, most ideal client for you to like you. And the only way they're going to like you, if you're being yourself, if you're being genuinely, authentically yourself, they're going to just like you as a person first and foremost, and then they're going to want, and they want to do business with you. But you're going to repel some people, and that's okay. And it's better to repel them while you're talking to them than when you're already working with them and you know that you don't like them. And so right. Like <laughs> right? So yeah. it's, it's another thing that's very, very important, and it goes with mistakes, it goes with everything we've talked about. One of the most important things you can do for yourself is be yourself. You know, gone are the times, I don't know, 60 years ago, I, 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 maybe I'm wrong, but back then, if you think of public speakers, remember how everybody was perfect. Everybody was so perfect and sleek and... And a lot of them also <sighs> spoke very slowly and very deliberately and very yes. much in monotone. If you go back and you few recordings of people like Earl Nightingale you think yes. this is one of the most inspirational men who ever lived and I'm falling asleep listening to his voice <laughs> he is so energetic when I read his books and his articles but watching him is putting me into a desperate need for a nap because that's how public speaking was back then yes but that's how it was well not anymore not anymore guys so Earl Nightingale versus, let me give you another example, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Gary oh, Vaynerchuk. Oh, oh, I'm so glad you're going in this direction because this is going to lead to a point. Go ahead. Yes, because you have a guy who is so himself, it's just hilarious how much he's not pretending, how much he's not taking anything. He, and I've actually heard him speak live a couple of times, and he's amazing. I just love him. You know, when you are being yourself, First of all, it's so much easier. You're not spending half of the time in your head, not only worrying if your audience likes you, but also worrying, how long can I keep this pretense on? How long can I keep this perfect, polished front without revealing the real me? Because a lot of people are trying to do that. But that's completely wrong. And I think audiences now, they're so much smarter. They're so much 
Xavier, and we're exposed to public speaking every minute of the day now. And as audiences, we hear the false notes. We, we don't want that polished, perfect speaker anymore. We want somebody with personality who, who is being himself or herself. That's what we want as audiences. And Gary is a perfect example of that. He couldn't care less what people think. He just goes out there and talks. He's having a conversation. Remember how, like, again, going back 60 years back or whatever, 50 years, it was a presentation. And even now, a lot of people are presenting. Well, I would encourage you to look at public speaking not as a presentation, but as a conversation. When you're having a conversation, everything changes. You're connecting with your audience so much better. You are being yourself. And it's so much easier for you. And again, that's where fear comes in. You don't need to be afraid. You're just having a conversation. Here's why I'm glad you brought up Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, he is known every so often. You've heard him speak a couple times. I imagine you've seen a number of his videos yes. online. And you know he might occasionally say naughty words. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Business Creators Radio Show has acquired a bit of a reputation uh, for me dropping an F-bomb at least once. And sometimes people tune in just to wait to see how long uh, until I get to it. Uh, <laughs> and I... I think I've had one or two people criticize that to say, well, what kind of presentation are you putting forward by using that kind of language? And I say, hey, they don't like me on my podcast saying they're not going to like working with me. But on the other hand, <laughs> if, uh, if they think it's funny, if they think it's entertaining, they find it's engaging, then they may decide I'm just the kind of guy they want to work with. So right. I'm focused on the people who are going to be attracted to it. And as far as the ones that are repelled by it, Here's a philosophy I've gone by for a long time. If that creates a no for them, I'm okay with that because by me creating a no, I just created someone else's yes. Absolutely. I saved them time and got them closer to who they do need to work with. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, to continue, you know, talking about, you know, Gary and F word and all of that, <laughs> um, I, and I personally don't use it. Uh, much in public speaking and maybe yeah. personal life, but I'm just not, you know, it's just not who I am. Authentically, it's just not yeah. who I am. And that's where I'm going with this. If, and I've heard so many people who just drop F-bombs in every second sentence. And sometimes I'm getting the feeling, this is not who you are, but you're trying to show up as somebody else, like somebody more like Gary, because you feel like this is what's, uh, being authentic is all about. And I think they're missing the point. The point is being authentic is being who you are. If yes. you are the kind of a person who drops a bomb every sentence, well, then it is what it is. But if you are not, then don't insert it just because it's fashionable. You know what I mean? Like I've heard so many podcasts where, particularly when it's a girl, she'd be like, it's, uh, like are you kidding me? I, I, I've heard your videos before. I know you don't even speak like this. You're just trying to to show up as somebody who thinks she's more cool than she really is. As I said, you know, as audience, we hear the fake notes. Don't be anybody but you. Just be yourself. It's not that big of a deal. And by the way, Gary, as much as Gary is that kind of a guy who is totally not afraid of an F-bomb and he drops them from stage left and right, but I've watched his videos and actually played them for my 13-year-old um, son. I've watched his videos where he speaks to kids. Yeah. You know, when a kid comes up and asks a question, have you ever heard those? First of all, the language is beautiful and clean. 
and second he's so much kinder you know yeah. how some when adults come up to him and he would be like he can really be ruthless sometimes but when kids ask him questions about entrepreneurship he's so kind so sweet and again he's not pretending he's just being authentically himself he's a yeah. dad he knows how this works he's but being authentically himself based on situation. the audience yeah because and as you just said and this is why i'm jumping in right here uh because he's a parent himself he knows that to inspire his children he needs to take a dad tone right and and, and a dad is not going to challenge your uh challenge your adulthood obviously because you're a kid right 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 so it's all you are being authentic but you just the way you present yourself, the way you show up based on your audience. You don't go, you're you, you not fake regardless, but you just, uh, it's a different um, facet of your personality, so to speak, right? Depending on the audience. Right, absolutely. See, you answered a question I was getting around to asking, but uh, this again shows the ability that you have to not only perceive, but to understand where the value so once again, for those who are concerned that introversion causes issues with presentation skills and public speaking, that's not necessarily the case. What I was going to ask you is the whole thing about if you see somebody out there and you notice they seem to be a great public speaker, should you mimic or model them? You ended up answering that question before I had a chance to ask it because uh, I wanted to ask, specifically ask that question, but you beat me to it. I have a saying for that is when you attempt to amplify yourself by mimicking or modeling somebody else, you often end up muting yourself because you are taking away who you authentically are and missing that opportunity to make a connection. Oh, it's beautiful. I love how you put it, muting yourself. That's beautiful. Yeah, so if somebody who um, it does not have the Gary Vaynerchuk personality starts effing this and effing that, but you know that realistically, they're actually the type of person we're saying golly gee willikers is like about as far as they'll ever go to express frustration with anything. It's just not going to work. Yes. Yes. And again, going back to what we just started from, right, where you shift the focus away from you to your audience. If you are trying to fake it till you make it, if you are there faking it the whole time, if you're modeling somebody and trying to pretend to be somebody you're not, part of your brain is constantly working on keeping up that persona. Part of your brain is completely engaged in that. And your whole brain should be, where should it be? It should be on your audience. It should not, you should not have half of your brain working through anything else. This is so important. You have to give it 100% to your audience. Only then you create a real true authentic connection and only then your fear goes away. It's very, Correct. very important. Yeah. Something else I wanted to mention here. Uh, folks who understand regional dialects in the United States know I have an accent. Um, you have an accent as well, uh, because I know from your life story that you come from somewhere other than the United States. My question is, is let's say that English is not your native language or you're in a place where the language that's there is not your native language. Uh, what do you do in that case? Well, obviously, I've had experience with that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and it's funny because a lot of people who were born in the U.S., they don't realize that it all depends when you immigrate to a foreign country, let's say. So let's, in the U.S., both of us, sure. so we'll just speak about U.S. I came to the U.S. almost 25 years ago. 
you would have never guessed it from the way I speak, right? I mean, my English is good, but my accent is very, very heavy. And the truth is, the only way you can not have that heavy accent is if you come as a child. When you come as an adult, I was 22, your accent stays with you for the rest of your life. And so you have to take it as it is. Like, I, I know it's not going to get any better. <laughs> it hasn't got right. better in, 45, in the 25 years. Well, let me so, ask you a challenge question. Who says it's bad? Oh, it is. You see, that's where we as, you know, non-native English speakers go right away. I am in there myself. My students are there. Every, every student that I have who, for whom English is a second language, they are all asking me this question. But I, but they don't understand me, but it's bad. And I just have to remind them. And honestly, I have to remind myself from time to time. There is nothing wrong with it. You see it as a weakness. You create your own mindset block. You create your own thing in your head that you hide behind instead of putting it aside and doing what you're supposed to be doing. If you have that mindset block that, oh, but I, I, I'm, English is not my first language. Oh, um, I speak with an accent. Oh, nobody will ever understand me. And they probably would think I'm stupid anyway. You shoot yourself in the foot. You, you now, instead of going to the audience, you're going to be hiding from your audience. All, beca all because you have this limiting belief in your brain. So the first thing I want to say is that if you are going into that conversation with yourself, this is a limiting belief. And you need to work it out in your head that it is not true. But... A more common question is, well, if I'm not a native speaker, how do I present? And you present exactly the same way as a native speaker would. What did I say was the most important thing? Your audience. When you focus on your audience, when you focus on your message, when you focus on being a giver, when you're focusing on giving to your audience, after the first five seconds when they are sort of focused on your accent because it's you know maybe unusual after that they no longer hear your accent i mean they hear it they no longer focus on it because now they're completely engulfed in your message they are so absorbed they're so interested they don't think about anything else if you give a really impactful talk so it's all about you giving to your audience, impacting your audience, transforming your audience. Everything else doesn't really matter. And if you are so worried about your accent, or if you have an accent that's sort of unusual for that area, maybe people just don't hear your accent, like my accent is Eastern European. I grew up in Russia, yeah, in Soviet Union, I should say. Um, people may not be used depending where I am. And they're like, huh, you can see eyebrows going up, going like, ooh, that's an accent I've never heard before other than in uh, movies about Cold War. But <laughs> they, yeah. they stop raising their eyebrows in just a few seconds. Because after that, the initial shock wore off, the accent doesn't matter. Plus, of course, and I'm an extremely fast speaker. In Russian, I speak about 10 times faster. But I, I try... Wow. I really try to make an effort. That's me slowing myself down. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say you're keeping up a pretty good pace here. <laughs> I am slow. This is my slowed down version. I, when I, and sometimes I really try to slow down even more. But that's what I remind my students. Look, if you have an accent that's unusual, then do everybody a favor. Just speak a little slower. Just let them get used to it a little bit. But remember, in a minute or two, 
it's not going to make a difference and it's going to be all about your message. So Correct. important. Yeah, see, this is so this makes me think of a couple other things. First of all, going back to me recording modules for courses when I'm all by myself, I recognize when I really start flubbing up, it's because a couple of things are happening. First of all, I know that to get through modules like that, I uh, I go by scripts, I read what's on my PowerPoint slide and things like that. I notice when I really start messing up is when I start ad-libbing. Because many times I'll catch myself, I'll say one bullet point on the screen, and then I'll start expanding upon it. But I forgot that when I designed the presentation, the very next bullet point was that stuff that I was expanding upon. Now I have to go back and re-record that piece. Mm -hmm. so, the, so what I'll say to myself, and I'll say this out loud is, Okay, this is where this is where it happens for our listeners who've been waiting for me. I say, God damn it, this is why you don't ad lib. And I'll pause, take a couple deep breaths, and I'll say, Okay, you heard the man yourself. Don't ad lib. Just read what's on the screen until you ramp back into it. Go back a couple steps, do it again, and just remember, just read what's there. And then I get back in the groove of it. Very true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and then, and then the, the other thing I think of, if you may recall earlier in our conversation, I mentioned uh, uh, this networking group I belong to and hearing the one person who was in the group saying, well, I thought I was an introvert. And then I got to know you people. And now I realize what an extrovert I am. And, I'm, and I asked her the question of, well, what happens when you're alone afterwards? Do you, uh, do you find yourself needing that alone time? Well, yeah, yeah, you know, you're, you know, you're an introvert. So the second piece of that is, do you, do you feel yourself comfortable among these people? Do you find that you are able to be outgoing? Do you find that you're able to engage with them because you feel comfortable in those situations? Well, obviously, yes, they're her friends. Yes. That's why that's that's actually the transition she made is that she became comfortable in that group of people. She recognized these are her kind of people. She accepts she accepts them for who they are. And see, here I am sitting outside. There goes the garbage truck, if you can hear it. Uh, they uh, yeah, they they accept her for who she is. She accepts them for who they are. And they mutually appreciate the perfection of each other's imperfection. So with all of that being said, uh, the question comes up, and let's just bring this out, although we've touched on it already. Somebody says, I'm great in one-on-one -on -one conversations, but I get immediately overwhelmed when I'm in front of a crowd. Yes, and, and I hear it all the time. And this is extremely, extremely common for introverts because we are truly comfortable in one-on-one -on -one conversations. We have no problem with them, again, because we are so trained we trained ourselves to take the focus away from us right and just listen to the other person we make eye contact we listen to what they're saying very very comfortable all of us but yes. what i encourage right now you listeners what i encourage you to do is i encourage you to think of public speaking not as a one-to-many but as a one-on-one -on -one conversation let me explain what i mean and it's funny enough, Adam, you actually already mentioned something very similar. When you are on stage or in, your, in, in a meeting, you're face-to-face -face with an audience, 
what happens, the first thing that happens is we get overwhelmed by the crowd. We get overwhelmed by this sea of people and eyes staring at us. And that's when we go back into our head and we're not enough conversation is happening. So when you're in front of an audience, what I want you to do is I want you to think. This is a one-on-one -on -one conversation and that's how I'm going to treat it. You're going to look at one person, pick one person in that crowd, put blinders on. Don't look at anyone else for the next five to seven minutes. minutes I'm sorry, for the next five to seven seconds. For the next five to seven seconds, do not look at anybody else. Nobody else in the world exists but that one person that you're making eye contact with. And that's better be a true, genuine eye contact, like if you were having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with that person. And as you're speaking, you're gonna speak to that one person. And then in five to seven seconds, you're gonna shift your gaze and you're gonna look at somebody else. Now, again, nobody else exists. And only that person is the one who you're speaking to. And you truly are having a one-on-one -on -one conversation because you know that person is gonna give, give you um, nonverbal feedback right away. Because as you're speaking, as long as you're making eye contact, that person is gonna start you know, nodding or laughing or smiling. It feels like a conversation as long as you don't try to look at everyone. Because that's when people who are afraid of public speaking get overwhelmed when you try to look at the whole group. So never ever look at the whole group. Never ever have that one-to-many conversation. Only have one-on-one -on -one conversation. And you keep on shifting your gaze through the crowd, but you never look at more than one person ever. And that's gonna, if you're an introvert who is comfortable with one-on-one -on -one conversations, or even if you are anybody else, this is gonna help you tremendously with your fear. You're gonna feel so much more comfortable, so much more in control. You won't even be thinking about your fear anymore because you're gonna be really focused on having a conversation and on giving value, two things that we've talked about. And I think you're gonna see results immediately. So I truly encourage you to go out there today and practice this, try it out, see how it works for you. You're gonna be shocked how well it works. What that immediately translated to for me, and I visualized myself looking out into an audience, and I've been in front of audiences of 10 people, I've been in front of audiences of 300 people. Within that audience, you are going to have people who are looking up at you, they're engaged, they're reacting verbally, shaking their head to what you're saying. And you're going to have the people who have the bored expression on their face or playing with their phones or what have you. Uh, my thought would be just to not focus on the people who are in the second category. Because for whatever reason, they're just uh, not directly engaging with you. Now, it doesn't mean they're actually not engaging. Here's another point I want to make. I remember, I think it was Larry Winget who said this, or maybe it was his colleague, Scott McCain. I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of those two. Actually, no, it was Scott McCain. I remember clearly. And he was giving a presentation. He speaks in front of people all the time. And he actually noticed there seemed to be this one guy in the audience who was playing on his phone the entire time he was speaking. But then, but then, the next day, that guy who had been playing on his phone and he knew the guy's name, he went, you know, Scott went on Twitter and noticed that this guy had tweeted about 20 quotes from Scott McCain's speech and then tweeted, <laughs> and then tweeted, Scott McCain changed my life. Oh my goodness.
So the point being, just because it doesn't look like they are engaging with you, just because it looks like they may actually be tuning you out, doesn't mean they're not hanging on your every word. They just may be doing it differently. Very true. So true. But you know, I would even encourage you not to be selective. And I'll tell you why. Like, you, what I mean is not to be selective, like, oh, she looks engaged and I'll look at her. He doesn't look engaged. Yeah. I won't look at him. The reason I wouldn't want, I wouldn't recommend this is because that would mean you're scanning the audience. And this is what you don't want to do. You don't want to be scanning the audience because that would overwhelm you again, right? Because then you see a lot of eyes on you. So I would encourage you to just forget if they're engaged or not with you. You're having a conversation with them regardless. You are having a conversation and they're going to get, in, as soon as they realize you're looking straight at them, they're actually going to stop whatever they're doing and actually look back. So you do, do not scan the audience because that may get you distracted and just temporarily out of that mindset of one-on-one -on -one conversation. I just want to create an environment for you where you have blinders on and it's only one person at a time. So as soon as you looked at that one person, you shift whoever you land on, that's who you land on. And that's where the conversation happens for the next five seconds. Then again, you shift, whoever, whoever you land on, that's where the conversation is happening. So the, the best thing you can do for yourself is to not get out of that zone where you're only looking at one person. Because as soon as you look at the sea of faces, you're immediately out of that flow and you're back to being afraid. So let me just make sure I heard you right. You wanna be shifting from one person to the next. That's right. You look at okay. one person for five seconds and then you just shift your gaze to the other side of the room. Now you're making eye contact with another person for five seconds. Then you're going to the third person, fourth person. By the end, you may have looked at everybody, but you yeah. never look at more than one person at a time. And I don't recommend trying to like look in general at the whole crowd because that's when you get out of that, of that feeling that you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. One-on-one... -on -one, right for some reason, because it feels so natural to us, it eliminates the fear. It really does. And so if, when you yeah. try this technique, you realize that you stay in that flow of one-on-one -on -one conversation. You're not scared. You feel engaging because people are engaging with you. They're giving you nonverbal feedback the whole time. And you feel in control and comfortable and not scared. Okay, this, much. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting place to end um, our conversation. And after I, I share this thought, we'll go on to a gift I know you have for our listeners because you're inviting us to something here, which is going to be fantastic. And I'm going to take you up on it. Um, and again, I'm going to ask you to please not follow this down a political path because that's not where I'm going with it. Back uh, towards the end of 2015, uh, this was uh, we were heading into a presidential election here in the United States. And it was announced that Donald Trump would be doing a campaign speech right here in Las Vegas. Now, I hadn't decided who I was voting for, and this is not about who I voted for, who I didn't vote for, but I'm thinking, you know what? After all I've been hearing about this, I got to see this for myself. So I went, and I was very fortunate to be kind of near the front of the room. I think I was in about the third row. I don't know how I pulled that off, but I did. At any rate, uh, he's giving his speech, and uh, whenever – He's gotten really good polls. He starts reading them off. And this was one of those cases where he had just achieved a landmark bench milestone 
in his polling, where he had achieved 40% in a primary poll for the first time. And I'd seen that on the news earlier that day. Uh, he had gotten 41% in the Monmouth poll. I remember this because it goes into the story. And he was ramping up, getting ready to read those polls. Guys, you've seen the polls, and they're really good. So I yelled out, 41%. I did it twice. And then I noticed he paused his speech, and he was looking right at me. I mean, his eyes met mine. I'm thinking, shoot, does he think I'm a protester? He's about to <laughs> me out. And then, and then he pointed and he said, that's right, my man, that's right. And then he went off to say he got 41% in the Monmouth poll. I have the clip of that and I share that as, in presentations. And, what, and I'm thinking about that in a new way, just having heard what you said. Think about the impact that's going to have on a member of your audience when you notice you're looking directly at them. Now, when you go back and replay that, everything I just described happened within the space of about four seconds. But when it happened, it felt like it was five minutes. Mm-hmm. And here I am five. And here I am five years later, being able to tell the story. So when you, as a speaker, have the ability to move from one person to the next to the next, you're individually creating connections with people. And when they look back at you and see you're looking at them, you're creating, in effect, one-to-one engagement. So it's not so much about the whole crowd it's about your interaction with that now if i were to meet the president and i were to point that out to him he might say say oh yeah i remember but of course he doesn't remember he's going to say that because he wants my vote but uh but uh, the, the, but the but the thing but the thing is is as a public speaker you're aware that when you create those individual connections that's where you get them to take actions later absolutely absolutely you're so this is so true right so I know that's a very interesting place to end our conversation and it probably comes a little bit out of left field, not only for you, but probably for our <laughs> listeners, but it's really what inspired me. What's great about the Business Creators Radio Show and hosting a podcast is when you have a format that lets you have conversations with people and you get inspired by what the other person said, it becomes sort of like a one-on-one mastermind session that everybody else is listening in on. That is the goal of every single one of our episodes and I've got to say that you've done a remarkable job of helping us create that wonderful experience for our listeners thank you adam i really appreciate it all right so uh we're right near the top of the hour we have about two minutes left one of them is yours you said you had something for us yes so i have created a brand new live online masterclass that i'm inviting all of you listeners to and it's called four easy steps to overcome your fear of public speaking and deliver a powerful presentation in front of any audience. And by any audience, I mean it could be live on stage, in a meeting, video, live stream, podcast, anything. And you can attend this free live masterclass absolutely for free, very easily online. And it is at www.byvictoriaL.com slash four, number four steps. Yep. So I'll say that again so they hear it in two voices. But it's byvictoriaL.com forward slash four steps where the four is a number. All right. So this has been one of our very, very, very exciting conversations. It's amazing how us extremely introverted people managed to pull this off. So <laughs> Victoria Liesnaski, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me, an education. Adam, I am thrilled that I was able to come here. And thank you guys for listening. Please go and implement everything that we've talked about. All right. So we trust you've enjoyed.
today's episode show, check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>